conversations with you and catching up again because you, you treated everyone the right way. No filter is no filter. The voice of Central Kentucky with no filter. I love talking to you about this kind of stuff because you, you get it. De La Cruz goes. Pitch in, throw down. Steer breaks for home. Throw to the plate. Head first line. Safe. Delay double steal. You call the Cowboy. And the Reds take the lead plus a man in scoring position with one out. Left side, Dave LaCruz, backhand, outfield, grass throw, got it to second base! Wow, what a play! And the Reds one out away. That is a big time shortstop play that few can make in the history of baseball. All the way into the shortstop hole, it is a slow roller to begin with. De La Cruz has the presence of mind just to turn, pivot, and this throw is on a dime. You know, I, I saw that highlight. Jimmy and I'm going, look, I love Derek Jeter. And, you know, the hop-skip throw that he had that he made famous, he yeah. couldn't make that play. Can't make the play. And, by the way, is that a negative comment towards Jeter? No. And I'm trying to think of how many shortstops could make that play. To have that much juice on the ball, that deep, that far away, Cal Ripken couldn't make that play. Ozzie Smith couldn't make that play. Omar Vizquel? No. Mm. No, it's not that they couldn't get to it. Oh, yeah. They don't have the arm. First, you've got to be able to get to it. Right. Uh, Could uh, Ozzie Smith get to it? Oh, absolutely. Vizquel? Yeah. Cal? You know, Cal Ripken was one of the smartest players when it came to positioning himself. So I'm going to say... Maybe, maybe, and he was a little quicker laterally than you think he was because he was so big in the long stride and all that kind of stuff. Not fast, but he was fast with his mind and his body. I, I'm really, <laughs> Alan Trammell, no, I mean, I, I went through all these shortstops and I'm going, can't make the play. You can't make that play. It was unbelievable. Um, so, the other thing, when they did the double steal, first thing I thought of was Colin Calgill, first base coach, Henry Clay. Because he's the running coach. That's a pretty good play. And the Reds are so much better when they're aggressive. And, and how many times have you seen it? The double steal, it works in the Little League, right? Yeah. It works in high school, right? Yep. Often will work in college, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes in the minor leagues. I wonder what the percentage is for making the major leagues. I bet it's not very strong. I think most of the time you don't make it. Yeah. And so Steer is not a burner, but he, he's a lot faster than you think. You know his favorite position is second base. Hmm. And he made a play the other day where he dove. Yeah, that was yesterday. Yeah, Yeah. it was really good. You know, and I love it when a guy dives and the ball is past them and they still make the play. That's just unbelievable. So, um, and we're going to play Encarnacion Sound, and it's really powerful. You know what he's doing right now already? He's swinging a little easier. He's strong. He's a strong kid. And so it looks like he's getting comfortable. Getting comfortable is really, really important. Good afternoon, everyone. With Jimmy in control, I'm Alan Cutler. Um, got some baseball things that you guys were talking about that I want to update a little bit. And I hope Alan Stein is listening. We also want to talk about the um, all-time team and a little criticism that's being given to the team that I talked about right away, and I'm going to explain it a little better, uh, and a lot of things on our plate. But... I am so honored and pleased that Shane Boyd will join us at 1230. Uh, Let me first go to the all-time 
team for Commonwealth Stadium and Kroger Field. It's a great idea by Corey Price. I, I, I'm not backing down from it. Perfect. Anytime you have a poll, Jimmy, people are going to disagree, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, I didn't know the 60-plus people who voted, and some of the people, Corey was smart, put it out on Twitter. I know a lot of those people don't know a single person or five people from the 1970s. Am I ripping them? I'm not going to do that. I'm just not going to do that. Here's a problem. So if you can say, well, Corey, you should have gotten more people who covered the team from the 1970s. Jimmy, you want to know the truth? A lot of those people aren't with us anymore. Yep. You know, I look at it this way. Tom Hammond, one of the great TV sportscasters of all time, who had my job before me for a long time, was close to Fran Kersey. Matter of fact, I, I can visualize the piece if Tom is listening. And Tom's agreed to do this show, and we, we're kind of flipping up and back. When they got rid of Fran, he was really close to Fran. He did a music piece with Sinatra, My Way. It's really well done. But Tom was young then, okay? I'm 70. Tom is older than me. I can think of some of the people who covered the team. But, you know, Billy Reed. Billy Reed and, and Derek Ramsey were close. A lot of those people are not here. So what can you expect? Now, I'll just talk about TV for a second. Rob Bromley knows about those guys from the 70s, okay, from Channel 27. Kenny Rice knows about those guys from the 70s. I know about those guys from the 70s. I got a, uh, a series of tweets yesterday from a good friend who knows football, might have played football, and he was furious because there were guys from the 70s who were overlooked. And he was right. And what did I say yesterday? I put Randy Burke on when I probably shouldn't have, and that's, by the way, no disrespect to Randy Burke, because I was so conscious when I voted to put guys on from the 70s. Randy Burke was a first-round draft choice. Was he a better receiver than Randall Cobb? No. Did I do the wrong thing? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just... Just being honest, you know, 1001 says you've never heard of Dallas Owens. No. Knock your blank off. Mike Saganis. Ever hear of him? No. Okay. And by the way, I'm not picking on you for this. I'll pick on you about the Giants. That I'm not backing down <laughs> from. If you don't know John Brody, I'll never let you forget it. That's one thing. But this is not fair. It's not fair to you. I And I, do you see where I'm coming from? Yeah. Okay. Saganis would knock your blank off. You know, that defensive team that won in 77 was as good as any team in the country that year. They lost the game, finished sixth, as I recall, but there were so many pros. So many. Warren Bryant is the greatest offensive lineman in the history of the University of Kentucky, period, period. A man that size who could move like that and hit like that, I mean, go look what he did in the NFL. I mean, he is the greatest offensive lineman ever. Now, I'm going to throw a name at you. A thousand one, you don't know Bob Gain. No. I believe he won the Outland Trophy. Help me out here. Look it up. I haven't looked at Bob Gain in a long time. Interviewed him a couple times a long time ago. Bob Gain, at his time, in his era, was one of the greatest linemen. I think he won the Outland Trophy. You know, All-American. Uh, yeah, 1950. Okay. Yeah. I thought it was before I was born. I'm correct. I mean, he was the best lineman, period. Okay, now, could he play with Warren Bryant? Hell no. Is that a shot against him? No. They were smaller then. You know that. And first of all, this is about 50 years. It's not going back to Bob Game. My thing is, you almost have to look at when human beings changed, when the size changed. And you know what a lot of that had to do with? When African Americans started playing in the Southeastern Conference. Oh, yeah. You don't think there were a lot of big men who played for Grambling 
Take a look at some of the grambling players who went to the NFL and how big they were. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm not being racial. I'm just telling you the truth, straight out the truth. So there's some criticism of that. I think what Corey Price did was great. I, I, I knew this was going to happen. There's only one person, and this is a personal thing. This is personal to me because I'm dear friends with Derek Ramsey. And to me, and I, I said it yesterday, I did do a second and 13 because it started getting so close. I'm going, this is going to take me forever. I spent a lot of time on this in respect to Corey, and I also think I didn't want to slight anybody, if that makes sense. Derek Ramsey should have been number two, the number two quarterback. He's not even on the first three teams. And when people say, well, you know, look at his throwing numbers, now that ticks me off. Jimmy, there's more to a quarterback than throwing the football. We all know that. Mm -hmm. Now, if you do it like Tim Couch, that's in a stratosphere. You want to say Tim Couch was better because of the offensive system? I'm with you. Tim Couch would have been great in any system as long as he didn't have to run the stupid option like they try to make that they did make him do when he was a freshman. That's dumber than you know what. Elliot Uselak, God bless you, but that was one of the dumbest things. You know, I need to do, I'm going to think about this, put together the five dumbest things I've ever seen by coaches in the history of Kentucky in my time here. That'd be interesting. If we had callers, we should do that. If we had a text line, we should do that. Think about it. There have been some dumb, blank, blank decisions by coaches. Yeah. Really dumb. Really dumb. Point B is Derek Ramsey is the guy I hurt for. He is one of the great leaders. You've heard me. He's been in the studio. We're friends. I'm biased. I don't care. My opinion has nothing to do with my biasness. I hurt because we're dear friends. And by the way, he and Dr. John Wong, who is my partner in Cut to the Chase, they're coming out with a book with uh, Derek Ramsey. He's a great man. He should have been governor. So that bothers me. So... I get that some of these older guys who have seen it, they don't like it. I get it. I get it. I don't know how to fix it. I don't I, know if you can. I feel like, though, how you brought up there was a shift in when human beings changed. We're going through that again now, I think, that you can have defensive linemen that are 260 pounds running a 4-4-40. You didn't have that in the 90s. You did not have that in the 80s. So I think we're going through another shift now. I agree. Where you, you, don't, you couldn't have someone that was 6'5", 250 running a 4-4. Now it's like, oh, there's four guys in the draft this year that did. So I feel like this is now another shift in, like, freak athletes that we're getting. No, it's a great point, and you're right. And here's the other thing. I was listening to you and Matthew today, and I started laughing because uh, Matthew said when he was in high school, they wouldn't let him lift weights. Yeah. There were pro football players in the 1950s. You know what they were told? What's that? Don't lift weights. <laughs> so I know – now, Matthew thinks I have this age thing with him. I really don't. I'm just busting his chops. I didn't think Matthew was that old that he was told that he shouldn't lift weights in high school. And, and so let's back up your point, Jimmy, because it's a great point. There are guys, give me the size you gave again. 6'5", 250. Who run the? 4'4". And there's a bunch of them now. Yeah. Okay. Most of it has to do with the training methods of today. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. The training is unbelievable. And you know what's really cool? Uh, I don't know who the strength coach at Eastern Kentucky is. I'm going to guess that guy or gal or both or whatever. I bet they're really good. There are so many. Re- so in other words, there was a thing. Okay, you have to come to Alabama to get a good strength. That's, the be- that's BS. There are so many great strength coaches in places. All of- A lot of high schools have great strength coaches. Oh, I- yeah. I think that's great because here- here's what happens. 
You've seen this. A guy in high school might be 6'1 and 245 pounds and has decent, decent awareness and weightlifting, but maybe the growth spurt is different. Everybody's growth spurt is different. They go to a college. You grow two inches. All of a sudden, you get on a weight rate program. Look at the food here. Look oh, at the yeah. food here. The food here is its not just here. It's unbelievable. Who did we have in the studio the other day? We were talking about that they ate at the commons. There was no training table. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You remember who it was? Uh, you have the weight, uh, the weight loss thing with him. I forget his name. Played D-lineman. Oh, Massey. Yeah. My buddy yeah. George Massey. Yeah. Okay. There was nothing. I mean, they're eating commons. Okay. I'm not ripping the commons, but that kind of food isn't what you want to have for your athletes. No. And if you want to take a personal commons, I can't help you. You can kiss my you-know-what because I'm not being insulting. It's good food. It's just not nutritious food that when you're an elite athlete, you need to be. It's not 93-octane fuel for your car. If you drive a Ferrari, you're not putting the bottom of the barrel fuel. It's still fuel, yeah. but it's not what you need. That's part of it. And the other part of it is you're, you're mass-producing. Now, yeah. you're mass-producing for football players, but it's a little different if you're mass-producing for 150 you know, players and coaches and whatever versus the thousands at the commons. Yeah. You know, let me take that away from the commons because that's got to be a lot more difficult. It's an assembly line trying to produce food like that. I guarantee you, and I said this to George, if George Massey would have redshirted, and it was a shame he couldn't, they needed him. And if he had the training table that they have now, back then, you know what he would have done? He'd have played in the NFL. Forever? I don't know. He'd have been faster. He'd have been, by the way, he was a strong man. He'd have been 300 pounds and faster. The food you eat at the Commons, as you said, is not conducive to what? Being an athlete. It's pretty simple. So, you know, I, I was pleased that some of the guys who got on, that got on. You know, Jerry Blanton was a monster, really was a monster. <laughs> I mean, and I wondered if enough people would know who he is. So, and then there's a couple of choices, whatever. You know, Drake Jackson's a great kid. I think Toth, it'd be Toth one for me, Fortner two, Drake Jackson three, but that's me. And that's okay. And some of it is choices what you do. So it's all good. I, I just don't want Corey to take too much crap because I'm not sure what else he could have done. Okay, you could have spent a lot of time trying to find out who was alive, who covered the teams in the 70s and 80s. I think he did a lot of, you know, off Twitter and stuff like that. But it had been a project that had been ridiculous. And again, it's not a criticism because – I'm telling you, and I use Billy Reed as an example. He passed a couple of years ago. He was a big-time columnist. You know, what I would like to have seen, if Billy were alive today, what his team would have looked like. Yeah, but if, let's say, there was more players on the team from that era, the older era, you would have all the younger people upset. Why are there no younger people in it? It's just... That's how yeah. it would be. It wouldn't matter. It's just which group is going to be more upset that their generation isn't on the top 50 Well, I'm going to agree and to disagree with you. I think there should have been a few more older players, but there's still some of these younger players absolutely deserve to be on. Yeah. So I'm not trying to say this should have been based totally on older players because that's wrong. Yeah. That's wrong. And do I think Benny Snell got the first team because of popularity? Yes. Does that take anything away from the other running backs? No. Is Benny Snell a great running back here? He was a great running back here. I don't think he was as good as Mo Williams. That's me. <laughs> That's me. What Mo did on a really bad team 
and you knew he was getting the ball, and some of the things he did, it was just different. It was just different. You know, and George Adams, I mean, so it's okay. Look, when you make an all-star team, guess what happens? Somebody's complaining that this guy didn't get on or that guy didn't get on or that gal didn't get on that guy. So I expected all this. I'm just a little protective of Corey because I think what he did was spectacular. I, I really do, by the way. Yeah. I haven't changed my mind. I was expecting this kind of outflow. Um, and I tell you, um, I heard what Matt Jones said. He was asked to vote. Obviously, you have to ask him. And he decided not to because he didn't know enough about the 70s. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Either that, he just didn't want to do it. No, nah, I don't buy that. That's not fair for me to say. I take that back. So I was, I knew I had no tra- choice to vote. I didn't have a choice. But the second, third team, I wasn't going to do. But can you think people can see that? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Greatest first baseman in history in baseball, in your opinion, is? Oof. Can't think, just react. Off the top of my head? Yeah. The names that come to mind, Mark McGuire, Willie McCovey. I'd probably go Willie McCovey because I'm a Giants fan. Okay, and I'm going Lou Gehrig. Yeah. Which I don't think, I'd probably say Lou Gehrig would be above Willie McCovey. Yeah, I do. And yeah. and I can visualize that line drive he hit for the last out in a 1961 World Series that Bobby Richardson, thank goodness, caught. Because if he doesn't catch that, guess what you're saying? Giants win. Giants win. He had a rocket. I wonder what the ex, ex, uh, the velo would have been for that. <laughs> it had been about 120 miles an hour. <laughs> Willie McCovey, this is when he was a big man and not heavy. Willie McCovey hit that ball. I wonder if he's hit five balls in his entire career harder than that. Matter of fact, I wonder if Bobby Richardson was going to break his hand on that. So, but I see how you're saying Willie McCovey. I don't, and, and it's not because I'm a Yankee fan. Okay. Yeah. Now I wouldn't call Hack Wilson, you know, the greatest outfielder of all time. Take a look at how many RBIs he had in one season. I wouldn't do it. And the and the ball was different, and the error was different, and all that kind of stuff. The point is, people don't know. I'm a baseball geek, so it is what it is. Uh, to the waiver wire. And what uh, I agree with Matthew saying, this was stupid. I saw it before the game. He saw it during the game. It's not that I saw it before. I was on Twitter before him. That, it's not an up, one-up ski. Please, I promise you. So, word leaked that Harrison Bader was put on waivers. In the old days, Jimmy, I can tell you, so many guys got put on waivers and you never found out about it. You just didn't find out about it. It would kind of leak out. Now it's different. Agents find out about it, and guess what they're doing? They're on the phone. They're trying to call teams. They're trying to figure out, you know, what's the best fit for my guy? All this kind of stuff. Da, 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 da. So it is weird, and I'm with Matthew. It is weird seeing Harrison Bader in center field for the Yankees when he's already been on waivers. And you know what? I don't even be cruel here. It's not fair to him. But he handled it like a pro. And some of the guys on the team that he's really close to feel terrible for him. Yeah. The ironic part about this Although he's not had a good offensive year, over 600 bats, if you look at it, which I have, his numbers are actually a lot better than people think. He's a great defensive center fielder. Not the point. The point is the Yankees are getting rid of him. And so if he's picked up, he's gone. But he hasn't been picked up yet. And so if he, you can be on the waiver wire for 47 hours. Now, here's the other thing. Um, I heard Alan Stein talk about this. Uh, you guys were talking about this. I heard another show talking about this. And um, there's a little point everybody gets wrong. Um, the Angels put how many guys on waivers? A yeah, whole like bunch of guys. Six or seven that they all traded for. Okay. Yeah. 
they, and what they're doing, they're saying, we're trying to save some money because we don't want these guys back, so you might as well get rid of them now if you want to pick it up. Here's the problem. I heard somebody yesterday on a show, and I'm not either shilling, I don't remember, said, you know, the Reds could get a new bullpen and a starting pitcher. You have to understand the rules. The Reds have a problem like a lot of teams. You know what that is? What's that? Space on the 40-man roster. Mm. Okay, so if they pick up three guys, you know what they got to do? <laughs> have to have three spots in the 40-man roster. Yeah. So I know there are a lot of teams, a lot of teams that like to pick up some of these guys. You know where they're not? They don't want to give up a young player. Yeah. So it's not as easy as you can't massage this. So if the Reds pick up three players, what did they not want to do? They didn't want to trade a, a really good prospect for a rental, which, by the way, I agree with. I really do, unless it was so far down. Who was the guy they traded to Oakland? The guy is a boy who throws really hard and strikes out a lot of guys, but it was so far down in the train. Whoever it was, he was like a C prospect for the Reds. Might still make it because he throws hard and strikes out a lot of guys. So the Reds needed a lefty. To me, that no matter what happens with him, is I can't think of his name, Bradley, whatever it was. Anyway, at the time, he was leading the minor leagues in strikeouts. It was a smart move by Oakland, getting rid of the lefty they didn't need. They're desperate for pitching. You might as well get a guy who throws 96 miles an hour. If it doesn't work out, you don't lose anything. And it was smart for the Reds because they only won lefty in the bullpen. It really, you know, sometimes, guess what? It's a smart move for both teams. That's okay. But giving up a top prospect for a rental, to me, made no sense. And, and I can't believe all the people that are on Twitter ripping the Reds for that. They've been ripping like crazy. It's crazy. I don't get it. People's with opinions with not having any idea what's going on. I mean, none. Zero. Kaput. By the way, did you see Joe Burrow's back in practice? Oh, yeah. Well, there's a yes and no to that. Okay. Oh, he was at practice. Yes, that's better. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he did seven on seven. Yeah. Seven on seven. He was in pads, and he had his helmet on, and he was throwing. You think anybody touched him? Better not. Not that's on the team today. <laughs> Do you think he moved quickly to make the throws? It, I, I'd be willing to bet he's probably feeling as close to 100% as, he's, as he can. So I'd feel like he – they probably told him to take it easy, though. Well, I'm sure of that. Yeah. Look, the speculation is because he did the 7-on-7, seven seven, he'll definitely start on Sunday. I'm going to tell you, maybe yes, maybe no. First of all, I don't know. Okay, he did nothing. First of all, the worst thing to do is if he went out and strained something by running around. He didn't run. He didn't have to escape anybody. You know, they said when he was walking, because I read a bunch of stuff, when he was walking, it wasn't with a limp. Yeah. What was the operative word of my sentence? Walking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everyone's fine. When, it, when it's a muscle strain like that, you're always fine until you're not. You know, it can feel great, and it can feel like it's 100% till you take that unexpected burst out of the pocket or you're trying to do something to elude a 300 pound defensive end coming at you and then it tweaks itself again so but that could that's i mean that's any player as you get towards the end of the year everyone's got little tweaks and aches and pains that could turn into something worse but my gut would tell me he'll be fine for week one and it just keep going no no you hope he's good for week one you have no idea no i don't have any yeah i have no any idea, idea but that's I, just what my gut is yeah. saying he's He'll be fine. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. I want to see him play. I yeah. want to see Mahomes play. I want to see a lot of guys play. It's fun. Do we have time? Seriously. I got six minutes. Can we play all this Cal stuff? Should we wait? Not all of it. Maybe a couple. We should wait. Um, Harold Leader did a nice story on Deion Walker. 
Give him credit for it. Um, basketball has helped his agility. He told the Herald Leader he could get a double-double for Kentucky. I'd love to see it. You think Cal started drooling when he saw that? <laughs> you think he saw it? And you know what I like? Amwar Stewart is a really, really good defensive line coach. Pushing him to be great. You know, one of the things I really like about the staff, the conversations that have leaked out, and you don't know what every team does, and you don't know how often the coaches and other teams talk to their kids, and I don't know who talks to them the most. So i got to say that straight up front. But you hear things. For example, Brad White, when he's having these one-on-ones with J.J. Weaver, talking about what he needs to do to become special. I think one of the strengths of the, the staff, and I've said this before, is their ability to what, Jimmy? Communicate. I think they're really good communicators. And I think that enables the players to like them even more. I mean, even more. I mean, it's not even close. So, <laughs> it was a good article in the Herald. He could get a double-double for hoops. And how basketball has helped his what? Agility. I've mentioned this kid before, Edwin Arroyo. 19 years old and dating a guy who covers that league, says, might be the best I've seen in this league in a long time. He's 19 years old. He's a shortstop. He can fly. And for a little guy, he hits the ball pretty good. I'm not saying he's going to hit 40 home runs or turn into having a big head like Bonds. You guys are kidding about. Have you seen the pictures of Bonds? It looks like his head has gotten much smaller. Yeah, he's kind of just, he's slimmed down a little bit. He's yeah. still a big guy. Yeah, but, he's still yeah. going to be a big guy. You know what people forget? I saw him as a rookie. Okay, you know what he looked like as a rookie? Hmm. A ripped, a ripped tailback. By the way, he, he was a great tailback in high school. Arizona State wanted him to play tailback. A lot of schools wanted him to play tailback. You should have seen what it looked like before, let's say, his body changed. Yeah. And so my thing with him was, I will always believe, can't prove anything, that he would have made the Hall of Fame no matter what he did or didn't do. Man, he could steal bases, and he hit line drives. So his game changed when maybe things changed for him. You, you, you think he took something? He still won multiple MVPs before yes. all of that happened, too. That's the thing that no one remembers that he like he played through the whole nineties. Now let me before amplify, any of that. I'm sorry for stepping on you, Jimmy. Let me amplify it even further. You know what's even better about the MVPs he won? Media couldn't stand him. <laughs> I mean, he was a snurd. And if he wants to come in here and say otherwise, he was a snurd. Oh, yeah. He, the year I did Pirate Baseball, he was so standoffish with me. You know what I said to him? Barry, I've asked you two or three times. You ever want to come on the show, let me know. I'm never going to ask you again. And he went like that. And it came back to me. And I, I told general manager, I ain't kissing anybody's you-know-what. You don't want to do a pregame interview. That's fine. I get it. We're taping it from the day before. I even said, what time do you want us to show up? What works for you? Whatever. After three times, no. And so guess what? We never had him on the Pirates TV network. And, and when I had a conversation with the general manager, who was a turkey to me, but that's neither here nor there, I got set up for telling the truth. Not important. When I told him, he went, yeah, I'm not surprised. Because <laughs> he was like that. So here's the deal. Do you know Ted Williams once didn't win an MVP? I, I can't remember if the year he hit 400 or not. But it was one of those years, it was obvious he should have been either one or two in the MVP. He lost by a vote or two. There was a Boston writer that hated him so bad he didn't even put him in the top ten. If he puts him like number 10, as I recall the story from when I was a kid, he would have won the MVP. I 
guarantee you, I guarantee you there's a lot of people voting for the MVP still didn't vote for him because they couldn't stand him, which, by the way, is wrong. If you're good, you're good, period. You don't like the guy, I don't give a rat's. If you're the MVP, I, when the media does that, the media is a 1,000% wrong. I, I will rip the media from king to from sea to shining sea. <laughs> Because sometimes the media is so stupid and so wrong and so personal and so catty. Okay, can athletes be jerks? Sure. Can the media be jerks? Sure. Are there great athletes? Absolutely. Look at all. Look at all the wonderful people you've been introduced to who've been kind enough to do my show. Yeah. Really good dudes. Really, and that was the thing I always said when the UK football was lousy for so many years. I I said this on TV, not to kiss anybody's. You know what? There are so many good guys on the team. Good guys. Guess what? Now they're 45 and 50 and 42, and it makes me feel old. So for Bonds to win, how many MVPs? Did he win five? Uh, in his whole career? Yeah. One, two. Or seven. 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 And okay. he was second twice. Okay. And I'd be willing to bet without knowing, without doing an investigation, at least one of those two, he didn't win because of people not voting him because he was just a snob. There was one in He won uh, 90, 92, and 93. He won MVP. 91, he got second. So Who won it? When he uh, lost it. Oh, uh, let's see. And I better remember who, how good they were. Terry Peddleton. Okay. Terry Peddleton won the batting championship that year. You want to look it up? I bet you soda pop. Yeah, he did. Yeah, thank yeah. you. I, I, you ready for this? I got no numbers in front of me. You want me to try the batting average? Yeah. What, what do I get if I get the batting average? You going to be surprised? I, yes. I would. Okay, so it's one of the lowest batting averages in the history of baseball to win a batting title. Take a look at the number and tell me if I'm right. And then I'm going to give you the number. It looks like it would be close to what that would be, yeah. Okay. Pressure's on me now. A lot of pressure. I think it's 304. Did he bat 304? Higher. Oh, okay. Then I'm wrong. It was really low. 319. Okay. Which it, is low to win a yeah, batting title. And he didn't have 100 RBIs. Correct. Oh, really good guy. Okay. You look at those numbers and you wonder, how the hell did he win MVP? Take a look at Bonds. <laughs> Take a look at Bonds' numbers. Yeah. Bonds. Bond should have won in a landslide that year. He hit 292, had 116 RBI. And how many? I bet Pendleton didn't have 100. I bet he did. He had 86 RBI. Yeah. Yeah. And how many home runs did Pendleton have? 22. Yeah. Who was a better fielder? Bonds. Yeah. Who had a better arm? Pendleton. Not that he had a great arm. Bonds had an awful arm. Pendleton should not have even been close to Bonds in the MVP. Bobby Bonilla got third. Killer Bees. Let's call Shane Boyd. We're going to wait to take a break after Shane is done. Can we do that? Am I breaking the rules again? Yeah. Shane Boyd, one of my favorite, favorite people. And this is my fault because it's 1231, and I want to have Shane on at 1230. We will also play a round, Rondo soundbite after we finish talking with Shane Boyd. That is one of the most spectacular soundbites I'm going to play this month. No question about it, because it gives you insight in Rondo and how smart Rondo is. He is one of the smarter basketball players. You used to drive Tubby nuts, by the way. <clears throat> it's brilliant. This soundbite is brilliant. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, you know, we look back in time, and I think it was 43 years ago when Shane Boyd was the starting quarterback and he beat Boyle State. Was it 43 years, Shane? Hey, listen, so I'm going to first, I'm going to let you make it because you keep doing this old stuff and, and you, you've been covering me 
Star Wars Knee High to a Grasshopper, but you want to talk about ages ago. You've been covering me since I was at Henry Clay, emerging as a top player and a star who eventually came to Kentucky, blah, blah, blah. But yes, it was, let's just say, 43 years ago, give or take a year or two. <laughs> Actually, I don't know if you remember, the first time we did a TV story together, you were a sophomore in high school. And you want to know the truth? I did very few stories with sophomores in high school. I, I shouldn't say this to you since you're listening. You were that good. So so what you're saying is that you know how to pick talent. Is that what you're telling me? You're telling me you... You you know a star when you see one. Is that what you're telling me? So, wait, is that your way of fishing for a compliment? You, I mean, you, you're fishing you, for a compliment. Come on, Shane, you're fishing you, for a compliment. You you cast it real. I just put the fish on the hook for you. I made it easy for you. That's all I just did right there. So for all our listeners, Alan is an amazing person, in and out, on and off the field. So there, there it is. It, now, now we have it on record. Okay, and and do people need to understand how we've yelled at each other off camera like crazy for how many decades? We there were time, we were in a sauna one time at the YMCA, and, and there was a lady uh -huh. about to come in, and you were in there, whatever, and we started screaming at each other. <laughs> I I don't remember what. Who knows? It wasn't like the first time. And by the way, not a mean scream, just the way we would talk to each other, right? Yes, and that's and that's one thing <laughs> I I honestly. I always appreciate it about you is our authenticity with each other, yep. our honesty with each other. Yep. Um, and, and you called it for what it is. I mean, you're still doing it now. Some people love it. Some people hate it. But you were a person that you, people knew exactly where they stood with you. And, and that was something I always appreciated about you. If it was something good you needed to report, you're going to make sure and scream it to the mountaintops how, how amazing that that is. But you were also a person that was honest when you weren't you weren't up to par and you know some people just don't you know welcome that but that was something that I always respected about you now mind you I've done a lot of good so I always you know you've done a, you've done a lot of great reports on me but those times when I struggled or our team struggled and this that and other I mean you were honest you know and that's one thing that um I always appreciated about you and in your profession is to say that that's not always ever present so i always love that about you well and the other thing too is you weren't shy with me either that's what made it fun <laughs> you didn't yeah. take, you didn't take garbage from me and you threw it right back but the funny part is oftentimes you knew it was about to come so you you would hammer me first so many times yeah yeah and, and i would also say like you helped me to be able to know how to um present and carry myself and show up in front of the camera so in in the midst of our interviews and our talks, you were also coaching me on how to show up. So, you know, now when you look back, I was always, or you can agree or disagree, but I was always a person that um, people would, you know, say, hey, that, you know, that, that guy knows how to interview. You understand, um, you know, what you're getting from him. So that, that just didn't, I just didn't wake up like that. That, that took work, and you made sure that you, 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 you helped me out with that. You were like an NFL quarterback in college handling the media. There you go. You, you was preparing me for the future. Uh, by the way, uh, th thank you for your kind words. Uh, just got a text from Alan Stein who said, tell my little brother Shane I said hey. Hey, I, I, I'm about to text him in a little while. You know, we usually always talk either on birthdays and all that, but that's an amazing guy there too. And somebody who's been a supporter of mine and always took care of me and showed me love every time he seen me. So, Alan Stein is one of the great people in the history of the city of Lexington with everything mm -hmm. he's done for this community. So, Shane Board, former Henry Clay star, former UK star, um, I hope the heck you have jerseys from every team 
professionally you played in football? How many teams did you play for? Uh, probably that spans to about, I mean, it'll probably be a good, let's just round it to 15. Okay, are you um, number one you know, in the from, history of football? And I, I've never I, seen a number like that, but Shane, you know what? If you had all the jerseys, you could have one of the coolest man cave walls in the history of man cave. Please tell well, me you've got well, the jerseys. Yes, I have, let's say, majority of them. The other ones, if I don't have them, it's because my mother has stolen them <laughs> and have them in her closet. Which so means, I would have okay. To, <laughs> I would have to go and find them, but I do have a collection of them. Uh, now, mind you, they're crammed in the corner of the closet because my amazing wife, Misty, has taken over the entire closet. So I don't even have a closet. I got a little corner that's shivering because she has taken over everything. And, you know, I allowed her to, but no, she needs it. So if she likes it. I love it. But yeah, I, I, I do have some jerseys. And one day I hope to uh, get them all framed and be able to put them up on a big wall. Oh, I got to call you out, dude. You are not getting away with what you just said. <laughs> you are not getting away with just said. You said I allowed her to. Baloney. Misty took I, over. You love I'm Misty. You have a great relationship. She just took it. And you didn't allow her to. She took it. Don't you give me this marital advice about how you wear the pants in the family. Oh, stop it, Shane. Stop it. I mean, when, when I try and hold on to a little inkling of my manhood, you just drift it out at me, right? That, that's really what I was doing. I know that is true, but there's people listening. You know, I'm, I'm this quarterback. I, I can control a team. I can control a program, this, that, and other. But when it comes to my wife, I, I'm powerless and then. That's really what you wanted me to do. Well, it's the truth. So, and by the way, what the hell makes you different from anybody else who's happily married? I guess that was my first mistake. <laughs> thinking that it was different. That, that, that was my first mistake. It so. doesn't matter that you played. Guess what Jimmy came up with? You ready for this? What? According to Wikipedia, which I'm always a little suspicious, you know, for obvious uh -huh. reasons, but at times they're great. I mean, it is what it is. They've got you with, guess what, how many teams? Take a guess, dude. Um, 13, 17, 17, 17 teams. Uh. I tell you what, Jimmy, if you can, you can, uh, copy and paste it, send it to me. I'm going to send it to Sean. And then after the, sh you know, after whatever, I'm just curious if, you know, look, how could you possibly remember 17 teams? Seriously. Exactly. That, 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 that's why I got the number wrong. Because when, when it gets up that high, then it all starts to blend together, right? Somebody, I'm serious now. And I don't know how the hell you do it. I'm not going to do it. I, don't even look at me. Don't look at me, Shane. But is it possible you played for more professional teams on many different continents, in many different countries, more than anybody else? I mean, I, I'm probably in the conversation because I don't, you know, I haven't dove into that, but I'm up there. I mean, what I got six NFL teams. I got about eight AFL teams. Um, I played on teams over in Europe, NFL Europe. Um, I had a short stint in Canada, um, played in the UFL under my, who was then the head coach or former head coach at Arizona Cardinals, Denny Green. He brought me to the UFL. I also played in Lexington. I played for the Horsemen. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I, I see how I could get up to, to, to 17 teams because, you know, there were some that I had short stints with that still uh, made its way to the ticker. But, yeah, it's, yeah, it's up there.
You know what makes no sense to me? See, this is to me the stupidity of, of professional scouts. You ready for this? Yeah. You were the perfect quarterback. Notice that, you know, with the tight end, the other stuff you did, uh, that's fine. Okay, but can we, because you were smart and you were tough and you were an athlete. Can we, can we get rid of that for a second? You should have uh-huh. been a star in Canada if you weren't going to get a shot here. And let me repeat, and I'm not saying this because you're, you know I wouldn't say it if I didn't mean it. You should have been uh-huh. a star in Canada. A star. Who the hell was yeah. going to tackle you when you were scrambling around? You would have thrown so many... You would have been the brother Fran Tarkington of your time who was a better runner. Do you remember Fran Tarkington? Yes, I do. Oh, my gosh. I really do. Okay. I mean, think about and it. Even, and even and you think about even, you know, how Warren Moon got his start. Absolutely. I was, I was a Warren Mooney type guy and then, uh, you know, developed his skills up there and then came and destroyed the NFL. Well, Warren's different. Okay. Warren had, I, I just respectfully, he had a better touch than you had. And Warren, and I'm, I'm be, be, hate me, but I'm just being honest. Warren never should have had to spend all that time in Canada. I always thought that was a racial thing. Did you? Um, I'm sure that that, that that was some of the, the undertow of it all. That, that's always ever-present, always been ever-present. So He was too good. I saw him play yeah. in college a couple times. Not you know it, uh-huh. Back then, guys weren't on TV like they are now, where you can watch anybody anytime. And I remember seeing the first time, and I had heard the name, but you know this is a thousand years ago when the information, as you know, wasn't the same. And I saw him I going, oh, my gosh, this guy's great. He can move. Yeah. He can scramble. He's got a great touch. He hits secondary receivers. He's strong. He's got z- – I, I looked at him going, this guy is great. And then I found out he's going to Canada. I'm going, why is he going to Canada? And then I went, oh, that's right, color of his skin. So then you think about you think about him. You think about people like me and others and how basically we were ahead of our time because of the things that they used to knock us for and the uh, things we could bring to the quarterback position are now what they glorify. People being able to scramble, extend plays, throw on the run, throw from different arm slots. When I used to do that, I used to get my head bitten off for making a play outside of being able to sit in the pocket and make throws. But now there is no pocket. These guys are too big, fast, strong, and athletic. There is no pocket. So now you have your... Pat Mahomes, you have your your fields up in Chicago, you have even Allen when they talk about him being athletic quarterback, like they glorify what they used to knock us about today. Hold it, so, hold it. I, I gotta stop you, Shane. This I'm really I'm really ticked off now. Okay, hang with me, Oskekin. Okay. You scramble, you make something out of nothing, you make a play because of your legs and your head and your smarts and your heart and all that, right? And somebody busted your chops because you didn't stay in the damn pocket when you would have been hit because the offensive line wasn't good enough, either that or they you know, they can only hold the block so long. Somebody gave you a bad time for making a really good play? In college and in the pros, yeah. In college, at Kentucky, you made a yeah. really good play because your feet and your head, because you would always look downfield, your head wasn't down. You would make a play and they would bust you for making a play? Because the instant perception would be that the only reason that I was either scrambling or moved the pocket was because I missed the read. That okay. would be that. That would be the initial perception. You know, you back you've, then you you've, have to stay in the pocket. Oh, you've never told me that. I'm really ticked off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you yeah, have I, a I had even, you had a skill even on the even on the NFL level. I had I had a couple of headbutts with a couple of coaches in making a play. And the fact that I made 
the play that I felt was the best play with what I was provided right. was not what what the play call was or where the ball was supposed to go on the first or second read. Instead of looking at, I moved the chains, kept the play going, and we wound up scoring on that drive, we were in meetings, and they went against, oh, this is what you should have done instead of what happened and what was successful. I'm really ticked. So, I, I'm starting to sweat now. I got the air conditioning down to 65 here to make it cool. <laughs> and No, I'm serious. I do all the time because Matthew before me, he's got something with his blood or something. Jimmy, is it sometimes 75 degrees in the air in the summertime? He's nodding his head yes. I come in, I'm going, what the hell? So I turn it down so it, it's already cooled off. I'm sweating I'm so upset about what they did to you. You've, you know what's interesting? You and I have shared a lot of things. Maybe you didn't want to share this. Maybe I didn't ask the right question. You've never shared this with me. I'm furious. How could they treat you like that? Uh, I, I mean, I, w- I wasn't the only one. I, mean, I didn't think you they... were, but that's not the point. You're a kind, caring, smart, considerate guy who was loved by his teammates. You know, it would be one thing if you were snurred, right? It would be one mm-hmm. thing if you were turkey. It would be one thing if you were jerk. You were so far the opposite of that. Every, who didn't like you? If somebody didn't, you know, it's pretty simple. If somebody doesn't like my wife, they got a problem. Somebody like me, I get it. I mean, I'm serious. It's, I mean, come on, man. You know how I am. I'm just being straight up. If somebody doesn't like you, I mean, I've known you for more, more than half of your life. If somebody isn't, yeah, oh my gosh, that makes us both old. Well, anyway. I, I, was, I, I, would, I wouldn't say that they didn't like me. They just didn't like maybe their perception of how I was a leader of their offense. Yeah, I mean, you're not, let me, you're not, was, no, 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 I'm stopping you. You're not, let me finish. Usually people that are like, like you were get a more of a benefit of the doubt. That's where I was coming I from. You. Whereas if, you. if you're a turkey, I rub people the wrong way. I know that's really breaking news. So I have, <laughs> I have less of a leash than your leash. You didn't let me, uh-huh. you know, I always stop by everybody, but this time you didn't let me finish. You should have a longer leash because who doesn't like Shane Boyd? That's where I was coming from. In other words, if you were a, 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 a turkey, a snurd, a snob, a, a jerk to teammates, could I see you having a shorter leash? You were exactly the opposite. Who didn't like Shane Boyd? Yeah, yeah there, there, there's a few people out there. I guess. All right, all right. Okay, I didn't say you were. You're not walking on water for me, dude. But you know what I'm saying? Okay, yeah. okay. This yeah. is this, Shane Boyd. This is important. If you play today with your arm and your legs, and your head. Do you think you'd have played in the NFL as a quarterback? Oh, of course. I mean, that's, that's, that's easy because now you see a lot of people that have my same skill set. You see a lot of people who, um, you know, a blast in the past, you think of the people that are, are in the Hal Mummy and Mike Leach offenses but making plays out of that. I was perfect for what we see today because now it's accepted. For what reason? I don't know, but now it's accepted. Now that's what they look for. Before they wasn't looking for me. They were, that's why they tried to switch my position when I went to the NFL. Something I never told you, I got calls from NFL teams on draft day. Say, hey, we will draft you, but you're going to have to switch positions. And I politely and respectfully said, no, I'm going to stay a quarterback they would politely and tell me good luck and hang up the phone. So then I went undrafted as a quarterback, went to the Titans. And even there, I was a backup quarterback there, but they also had me playing. I was a starting punt returner and I was on special teams, kickoff coverage and those type of things along with playing quarterback. So even there was still a, a, 
a decision to be made there. And I wound up carving out a career as a backup quarterback, but I never got to be a starter. But it could have been for that reason. Everybody that I backed up, look, look, look at the track record, record of people that I was behind and what style of quarterback they was and what type of style of quarterback I was. I was what we want now today, but back then, you know, they wanted the tall, sit-in-the-pocket guy who could deliver all over the field. Now there is no pocket. So, yes, to answer your question, 100%. And I wouldn't even be doing this interview right now because I'd probably be on the field getting ready for practice, getting ready for this Sunday's game. Now, wait a second. How old are you, Shane? 40. Oh, wait a second. 40. Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. You're saying, okay, so since you're only one year older than Aaron Rodgers, you still be on the field. Of course. <laughs> I, you know what, Jimmy? I can't argue with him. Yeah. I can't argue with I him. I mean, I, I can still throw now. I can still move now. I still train now. I can still get out there. Maybe for a quarter or two. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe for yeah, a quarter hey, no, or two. You're right. Shane, you know what I was going to say? I'll give you a couple snaps. A series. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and yeah. then guess what? And you know, because I like you so much, you know what we'd have on the sidelines? We'd have oxygen ready for you. <laughs> there we go. Does it, okay. And an IV. Uh, an IV. Does it burn you? Am I ticking you off? I Look, I've known you forever. I feel terrible for you right now, Shane. Uh, no, no, no need to be because I had an amazing career, even though it wasn't exactly how I wanted it to. And everything that has brought me from my family, my wife and kids, and even the fact that I'm blessed to work at Nike headquarters for a brand that motivated me and encouraged me as a kid. You know, I grew up on Bo Jackson and these type of people. And now I'm up here creating the product that I used to wear or that inspired me. So exactly how my life was, how it's supposed to go. And, but I did have a time where I was upset and angry, but I buried that hatchet a while ago. Yes, things here and there, but I'm blessed. And I think the, the way that my life went and the experiences that I went through, I think the big, the big reason that I went through that is because now I'm able to help athletes after me. And I've been doing that for a while. Yes, well, you were doing From that way. Every, yeah, every level I continue to do that. And if I wasn't, if I was the star of college football and get drafted in the first round and was the Heisman Trophy winner and went on to the NFL, became a Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champion on my way to a Hall of Fame career, I wouldn't have the same impact I feel on the people that I want to impact. So that's, that's two different lenses that you're able to relate to people. I was a guy who on probation at Kentucky, three different head coaches, four or five different quarterback coaches, four or five different offensive coordinators in my years. That's not successful. That's not how you want it to go. But I was able to, it taught me how to adjust, how to adapt, and how to understand that there's a wide range of how this thing can go. And without those experiences, I'm able to speak how I'm able to, to where I speak here at Nike. I speak to teams and our, and our China partners. I've been on a Zoom call where I'm speaking to a team of hundreds and thousands of people, and they're listening to my story. Now, would that story have been impactful if I had this glorious career at Kentucky and in the NFL? I don't know. But what I do know is what is going on now, and it's very impactful for the people who have paid any type of attention to my career or who um, take a couple seconds out of their day to look at my life and understand, you know, where I'm at, where I sit at. Like, and I'm able to 
speak to it how I am through those experiences. So, yes, I would have maybe liked some stuff to have been different, but here I am, and I'm still standing there strong and, and always willing to help and, and motivate and encourage people. Isn't it amazing? Shane Boyd, kind enough to join us. Old dear friend that you could affect all these people, but you still can't get enough room in the closet from your wife. Yeah, it's crazy, huh? <laughs> and, and, and we work at Nike, so she's just, I mean, it's full with Nike from front to back. I'll bet. Head to toe, and all I got is my little corner of shoes. I got a couple of Air Forces. I got a couple. Oh, well, no, 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 no. Stop, 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 stop. Huh? You, probably huh? have, you, got, huh? I, you probably have 50 pair of Nikes in the house. You think so? Yes. Yeah, yeah, there is 50 pairs of Nikes in the house, but who that it belong to? Is you, you don't have 50 pair of Nike that belong to you, not Misty? Uh-uh. Seriously? Uh-uh. Now, she has, like, she's going on about 500. Like, I've had to build extra storage in the garage. You know, them racks that you can hang from the garage? Yeah. We had to start taking advantage of the upper airspace, <laughs> and it's her shoes and her stuff in there. She got shoes in our son's room. She got, oh, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Not that she needs it for a job. She has to show up. She's in sports marketing. She handles the NBA. She runs the entire Kevin Durant business. She's killing it up here, right? Wait a so second. She, she, she handles up. all the Kevin Durant business with Nike? She handles the whole gamut. Wow. Anything Kevin Durant that, that relates to Nike, you have to go through her. She wow. runs the whole business. That's impressive. Oh, it surely is. Certainly is, and I'm just so proud of her. This, that, no. So that's why I gave her the. You the didn't closet. give her the closet. <laughs> <laughs> you are not sneaking that through. <laughs> yeah, oh, hey. that's, that's, that's my third time. Yeah, you shot you off didn't. Th- you didn't I'm think done. you'd slip that through me, did you? I'm done. I'm yeah. done. I'm hey, done. Hey, you know want to know something? If it, it, with with Misty taking care of Kevin Durant, you're lucky to have a small piece of the closet. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So you're not you're you're living in Oregon, obviously. Yes, up in the Beaverton area. The okay. headquarters is in Beaverton, Oregon. Yeah, so uh, I'm up in Oregonian right now. As I'm talking to you, which is so Oregon right now, it is sixty degrees and raining like crazy. You ever ever go to Newport, Oregon? I haven't been there yet. You need to go. I'll go. I've been there many times. I'll go. You need to go. It's it's uh, on the water. It's absolutely. Well, I've been I've been to something called Cannon Beach. If that's Newport, yes, I don't know if that's it, it, I've been to Cannon Beach. Cannon Beach is beautiful. Okay, that, that that's where I've been. Okay, on, on that's really close. Ride. That's okay. that's really close. Yeah, you know, okay. Oregon is different. It's it's um beautiful in it in in a way that I wasn't used to in a very unique way. Mm-hmm. It's uh, the water's rough. See, I grew up in the Atlantic Ocean, and and the rocks and stuff like that. It's very different. Not that anybody gives a rat's at what I'm talking about, Oregon, and what, what it's like out there. <laughs> I shouldn't be doing that, and that's neither here nor there, but that's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where are you going to be 10 years from now, Shane Boyd? Where am I going to be? Yeah. Um, as it looks right now, I still may be in Oregon. Yeah. Um, unless another opportunity presents itself and um, moves our family. My wife is killing it at Oregon or here at, here at Nike. So she's working her way up the ladder. She's already uh, a director after three three years of working here, which is unheard of. Wow! So she she's on her way to being 
you know, a VP head leader one day because she's just so impactful here. So, okay, I got so, some. I'm going to interrupt you on purpose. Okay, that's spectacular. Your wife's going to be a VP. You ain't moving there. You're working for one of the world's great companies, both of you. You can't afford a bigger closet for yourself. <laughs> ain't that crazy? Ain't that crazy? And since we're talking about Oregon, it is very ridiculously expensive up here. Like, it is crazy. You know, you think about a $500,000 house in Lexington, Kentucky, you have a ranch with horses, a gate, a pond, the whole shebang. $500,000 here gets you about 1,500 square feet. I don't know what it is up here. It is crazy. Yeah. But well, you live in an Oregon. area that's, you live in a well-to-do area, and I'm not surprised, but it is a beautiful area. It is. It is very beautiful. Do you get to watch Kentucky at all, or you're so busy you'd like to, but you just can't? Uh, when I can, usually when it's like either nationally televised, but other ways I have a difficulty just because this is not the area that would pick up a game like that. So sure. when it's a nationally televised game, me and my son are watching it. My son goes crazy. He thinks that I'm on the TV. Daddy, you playing? I'm like, I'm sitting right next to you. Guys. <laughs> I am not playing. But anything Kentucky, you know, he. He, he gets excited about. So when it's a nationally televised game, I'm here. And then the funny thing about it, you think about the, the time difference. So when Kentucky plays at 1, that's 10 a.m. here. So as I'm still in my in my jammies watching the game on crazy Eagle breakfast. It's a weird thing that I haven't always adjusted to, but it's, it's pretty awesome. But other than that, if I'm not able to watch it, I just I, I watch the ticker. And, I mean, my football knowledge, I can kind of get a gauge on what's going on sure. through the games. But um, I, I at least get to watch, you know, you know, three to five maybe. Um, you know, I had to get the ESPN account, and that allowed me to watch more games whenever they would, you know, televise them on there. there. But, um, yeah, I try and watch as many as I can. But other than that, I, I look on the Internet. People posting, they give me the highlights, and then, you know, I, I go off of that. Well, Shane, I can tell you this. When I met you, I didn't know if you were going to play in the NFL. I didn't know if you were going to play Major League Baseball because you could flat out chunk the ball. I only knew one thing about you. You know what that was? What was that? You're going to be successful no matter what the hell you did, and you didn't need sports, and of course I was right. Yeah, <laughs> and, I, and I appreciate you seeing that. Um, and it's funny now that I'm on this end, you know, being like a grown-up, let's say, um, you, you, you can kind of see that in people. And that, was, and that was awesome that you was able to see that and for that to play out how it did, so... You need those energies as well. I think that's the aspect to it. Do so you need like-minded people like that around you, and you need that positive energy. So you know, you 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 helped and assisted with that. Um, uh, I I did nothing. You did it all. Um, I, <laughs> I, I, I I didn't have a a quarter of one percent. So let's let's keep this real. Okay, I got to uh -huh. do this because I, I, this is this is strange. Tell me if you think this is odd. Um, have I seen Jared's footage through the course of time? Absolutely, often. Honestly, no. I thought it was interesting. I got a chill. It's about 10 o'clock last night. And I was, you know, putzing around on, you know, internet, Twitter, looking for stuff, you know, I want to talk about today. Just, you know, my feet are up. I'm sipping a glass of wine and whatever. And I'm not kidding you. A couple of Jared's best plays popped up. And I'm going, mm -hmm. what are the odds that's going to pop up when you were nice enough to agree to do my show today? I, I, mm -hmm. I don't think it's a coincidence. And, you know, one of the things that I thought was beautiful, and I mean the word beautiful, the two of you competed for time, for playing time, yet you loved him, 
and he loved you. And, and, and I always thought that was one of the best, sincere, heartwarming stories of all the years I covered sports in, in Lexington. Mm-hmm. You miss the big fella, don't you? Oh, I miss him to death. Um, I mean, just what you spoke on, our, our bond was strong, unbreakable. Um, from the, the way that we were put against each other, it only drove us closer together. The conversations that we had in our hotel rooms before games, in the quarterback rooms, just in our private times, a lot of the times it felt like it was me and Jared against the world. Or in this case, state of Kentucky, but against the world, right? And we, the things that we talk about and just the bond that we built all the way up until he was called home to glory, we were in it together. Um, I think I might have showed you, but I could show you like our last Texas. Yeah, you, you, uh, you did. You, you did show me. It's guess what? Um, my uh, my uh, my allergies were acting up. If you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. when you sent that to me, yeah, no, I, I still I still got it in my phone. I scroll by from time to time to kind of connect reconnects me to him. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was awesome. I mean, then going through probation together, going through the the the. Uh, coaching changes, going through the ups and downs of which an 18, 19, 20-year-old shouldn't have to go through, we got through it. He wound up going to the NFL, got a Super Bowl ring. We wound up having successful careers in that sense. And, I mean, yeah, our bond was just something special that I think people really don't understand. I mean, people see and know that we cared and loved and we were close, but there was a whole other layer that to a certain point only me and him can could understand just because it was me and him because of the way that we were put against each other. But, yeah, awesome man, awesome person, um, awesome athlete, and, you know, I miss him dearly. Um, scroll through pictures. I got a little photo album that I can just look, me and him, when we were younger. Um, and I even remember, you know, I remember my first, I think, in a, an encounter with him is that he came to a Henry Clay game. Whether he was coming to support me or see what the competition was, I don't know. But he was there in attendance, and that was kind of the start of our um, friendship. And, you know, it carried on throughout throughout our lives. So, yeah. You know what? I, I bet it was both. I, was, I bet it yep. was both. Who am I going to be in the room with? Am I going to be friends with this guy? And, yeah, what am I going to be facing? I bet it was both, and I say that with kindness. Because you would have done the same thing for both reasons. Mm-hmm. For both mm-hmm. reasons. I, I, last one. And and uh, you don't have to agree with me if you don't want to, but I know you do deep in your heart. You know why? I, I, I'm really, you, you really upset me today. The fact that you took crap when you made something out of nothing and they said, hey, you didn't see the play in the pocket. Why did you leave the pocket and stuff like that? Oh, I, I, I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm really angry. You want to know why coaches gave you crap? Why is that? They weren't very smart. I'm serious as a heart. I'm serious as a heart attack. Look, there are some great coaches, and there were some coaches, mm-hmm. the Mouse Davises of the world, and the Mummies mm-hmm. of the world, who had to do it outside the box, and they had to do it at schools that weren't cool because the cool schools wouldn't let them do it because Woody Hayes was it's three yards and a cloud of dust, 
and our our way of, of of creating a hole is to take my big tackle at 320 pounds, which back then was huge, and he's going to push you back, and that's how we're going to create space, and that's how it's done. And they were afraid to hire somebody who was different. They were afraid to try somebody different. They were afraid to say this another way of doing this. They were too stupid or scared. I'm serious, scared. Coaching has evolved. There's a lot of brilliant coaches, by the way. And and if you can mm-hmm. if you can get the talent to play like Woody Hayes, I'm okay with that. But who gets mm-hmm. talent like that? And he probably would have won more if he would have passed the ball more. But I'm not going there. Yeah. But I, coaches just weren't smart enough yet. You do you disagree yeah. with me? Because I'm going okay. I okay. Look at your reads. Okay. Now if you missed the read, it was there. I could see somebody saying something. But good job on getting the play done. You see what I'm saying? But they can mm-hmm. see. Most often, there was no read, and they're giving you crap for making a play. They should say, great job. Am I wrong in anything I just said? No. You're spot on with a lot of stuff. I think what what was absent was one of the pressures of being a coach, right, trying to keep your job because as you think about coaches, you know, they're trying to make decisions for them and their families. Oh, right? hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. No, I don't, and you know why? I'm sorry. That's BS. That's not like uh-huh. you. You're better than that. That's not the Shane Board I know, and I feel like you're a brother. No, their job is to keep cool under pressure so they keep their job. Their job you're is right. not to make a horse puck decision because they're scared. And when you're, you're scared, right. you're going to make a bad decision. Shane, no. Yeah, you need, no, 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 that's, no, no. What, that's not the Shane what, Board I've known for 30 years. What, what, what was absent was that courage or that. Yes being able to forward think because you think about your Andy Reid, right? Who evolved through time. Think about an Andy Reid who allowed Donovan McNabb to do his thing, who allowed, who welcomed back Michael Vick out of, after being in jail to come and come and do his thing, to go to another team and allow Patrick Mahomes to throw passes over his head, which we saw Jerry Lorenzen do. Yep. Back in Kentucky and do all this crazy stuff, right? One of the greatest plays everybody, I've ever seen. Everybody doesn't have that courage or have that forward-thinking mindset and have that confidence in themselves to say, no, I'm going to meet my player where he's at. I'm going to adjust to him and then, like you talk about, have the smart, if there was any there, to be able to adapt my offense or my way of thinking to the strength of that player. Instead of, no, do what I tell you to do or what I'm comfortable with and you need to be successful in my system. No, what are you comfortable with? Okay, that's what you're comfortable with. Then I create a plan around that to make sure that you're successful. Yeah. Well, and as you know, there was not a lot of that. Andy Reid was an offensive lineman at BYU and his coach was, Mm -hmm. as I know you know this, Lavelle Edwards, who was one of the great early passing gurus of his time. Mm -hmm. So Andy was was kind of bred into it, and I, I I've been convinced from what I've been told. One of the reasons why Lavelle Edwards did it is because they didn't get enough great athletes who wanted to come to BYU for a lot of reasons. I'm not going to go on a tangent. You understand? Mm-hmm. I think the public understands. Yeah. It's not important. Yeah. So he had to decide what can I do to win to be different, and he was open minded, and I think that yeah. helped. I, I think if you sit down with Andy Reid, he would tell you. What he did in college, watching Lavelle Edwards, has a bigger effect on him today than anybody who really covers the NFL understands. Do you, do you see where I'm coming from? Yeah, 100%. Hey, uh, you, got, you, have, you have your day to live. Um, I got two words for you. Well, I got three. The first two are thank you. The second one, you ready for this? 
storage unit yes. for my clothes. Storage <laughs> unit. Right? Self. I, I don't have missed. Storage unit. I, I don't have missed these number. If I did, you know what I would text her? What'd you text her? I said, please, please, give give Shane a closet for Christmas. All he wants from me, no. you know, <laughs> give him a closet for Christmas. He loves you. And by the way, I got to say one more. If you're a Kentucky uh-huh. fan and you don't follow Shane on Facebook, I, I, I got to tell you, it warms my heart. This is my serious tone of voice, and you know that. It warms my mm-hmm. heart to see the pictures of you and your family and your kids, and I always thought you'd be a great, great father, and, and, and it just warms my heart seeing what you're doing with your family. You're a, you're a shining example. But, dude, man up. Get a get, <laughs> Get a closet. I'm working on it. Hey, Shane, I'm working on it. Shane, it, uh, two words. Would you come back in a couple months just to BS with me sometime? Of course. All right. Hey. Uh, I got two words. Thank you. God bless you. If I don't talk to you between now and Christmas, I hope I do. Um, Godspeed. Uh, stay healthy with you and your family. And, uh, dude, you're the best. You know how I feel about you. I love you, brother. Thank you. Love you too, dude. Be good. Thank you, Shane. You Shane Boyd. Jimmy, was that good? Pretty incredible. I didn't know his wife uh, was in the WNBA. Oh, star. She, yeah. No, no, no. She wasn't. No, 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 no. She wasn't just in the WNBA. She was a star. And by the way, you want true confessions? Yeah. That's a calm conversation with me and Shane. Now, if we got, we almost got off to get, you know, whatever, because it goes where it goes. You know, there have been times, and I don't know why I remember this time, of the, the YMCA in the north, north side. I hadn't seen him in a long time, and he's sitting in there, and, and, uh, I went there earlier to go to another YMCA, and he's in the sauna. We hadn't seen each other a couple of years, so we, I mean, I'm in the sauna, and I'm, I'm literally dying because we talked that long, and it doesn't bother him. He's just sweating it out and sweating it out, and he sees me dying, and I won't leave, and something happened, and we are yelling at each other. I mean, just, yeah, but we would do that a lot, naturally, not to be mean. He's one of the finest human beings, literally. Forget about athletes. He's one of the finest human beings, period, I've met in Lexington who just happened to be a studly athlete. Would it bother you if you had his talent, didn't play in the NFL? Because I'm telling you, if he right now is at Henry Clay, okay, if he was right now at Henry Clay, he would be thought of in a different way, in a different way than a cutter bully. Now, here's the other thing, and, and maybe I'll ask him some other time on the air, but I have was always convinced 30 years ago, whatever the hell it was, okay, nah, 20 years ago. be careful no i'm not going to be careful screw it what do i label this show no filter if he had a better quarterback coach he would have been a much better quarterback because um he needed you know who he needed somebody like how mummy and mike leach because they would have changed his throwing motion what used to drive me nuts about him it wasn't shane he could rear back and throw the ball so hard it was tough to catch but this is silly this is radio you see how far my hand? How far is my hand behind my head? Pretty far. Yeah, and so he was so strong, he didn't need to. Now, how's my hand now? Right by your ear. Yeah. Guess what? All the leech quarterbacks do. Ah. They all look the same. Seriously, go look at a mummy. Go look at the quarterbacks. They're all the same. They, they're the, the feet. And one of the great things about mummy and leech is how they train. I was always, 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 always convinced that if he played for leech. And got to be the guy for three years, he'd be worth hundreds of millions of dollars. I need to tell him to his face sometime. I'm serious. Because he would throw it so hard, he wasn't that accurate at times. 
And I'm convinced if he took, he was like a, you know what he reminds me of? Green. Pitches for, for uh, who, by the way, finally pitched well yesterday. Green. He throws so hard. too hard. He throws too hard. He's not in control. And and for two innings, because I was listening to the game on radio, uh, Welch was talking about how he's finally got his pitch count down. Well, he didn't make six innings without getting to 90 pitches, which is still better for him. The point is, I, th- I think if Green threw 98, he'd be a much better pitcher. If Shane had a really good coach, because Shane, Shane's really smart, who would have changed his throwing motion and tightened it up, I think Shane wouldn't have been good. I think Shane would have been, you ready for this? Spectacular. That's why there's all these quarterback gurus now that quarterbacks use on their own. They didn't have any of those back then. Now they do. They're everywhere. Jordan Palmer. Yeah. Big brother. Played in the NFL forever. Um, he's one of the quarterback gurus. And that's, you know, it's the motion. It's the mindset. Blue Lotus Health. 8-5. That was really fun. That was fun. That needs to be replayed sometime when I'm gone. You'll figure that out, I'm sure. Yeah. Without me, I don't need to know nothing. 859-533-0914. 859-533-0914. Acupuncture. Blue Lotus Health. Needles. It's not cheap. You're worth it. It will help you not a little, but tremendously. As Ramon says, well, the only things we do not treat is AIDS, cancer, surgery, maybe dentistry. And the stuff he's done for people, it's mind-boggling. Blue Lotus Health, 859-533-0914. Not too far from the studios on 1300 AM, 92.5 FM. The Alan Cutler Show on ESPN 92.5 and 1300 AM. And And I went nuts on that, remember? And and I said before he came up that he was going to go into a slump. And by the way, it's not like I knew something about him, but pitchers figure you out, and you're going to have to adjust, and that's a normal part of baseball. Heck, Mickey Mantle they sent down because he was striking out too much, and he deserved to be sent down. So they let him play through it, and he's doing much better. Still not as good as I think he'll do next year, but the point is sometimes it takes a while. It's not instant. I think they've had pretty good patience with CES, and I'm watching his swings. He's really strong, as they're saying. He's I mean, dude, he's strong, strong. And to do that with your family and friends around, which usually, what does that usually mean? More pressure. More pressure. Getting four hits. Now, I'm not saying all of a sudden he's going to start getting two hits a game and stuff like that. Would it surprise me if he gets 90 to 100 RBIs next year? 85 to 100? Nope. They just need to play him every day. Just play him, play him, play him, play him, play him. I think he's a stud. And, And so Marte isn't hitting. Not hitting anything at all. It's interesting. His defense is still good which I like. In other words, you're not letting one part of the game affect the other part of the game, which, as you know, can often be a problem. And, and I, I heard what Alan Stein said, and he might be right that maybe he needs seasoning next year. Could be. Could be. I'd maybe sit him for a game just to rest. Sometimes guys like that, youth need a mental day, but I'd play him every day outside of a day or two off just to rest and see what happens. What do you got to lose? Because, he, I mean, you look at him. He's like two of the Yankees who are not hitting well, the young guys. They're, they're all studs. They just have to relax and adjust to the game. And there's, I, I can't believe Marte is going to be a failure, even though he's not eating it. I, I just don't. He's got too much talent. Yeah, well, and Ellie, too, he's still been struggling at the plate. He's not even hitting 250, but his defense has still been very good. So you're not letting one affect the other. So, And he's scoring runs. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's affecting the game even when he's not hitting great. Last week. Beat out a double play ball that yeah. probably nobody else on the planet would have beat out. Still second base scores a run. Now, what is that worth to your batting average? 
To yeah. me, it's a it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. No, he's he's got some maturing to do, and, and he's got to figure some stuff out. I got no problem with that. I think the expectations. People who thought he would show up and start hitting three thirty <laughs> with as many home runs. I, I mean, it's possible. I think it's stupid. I really do think it's stupid. Yeah, there's an adjustment. You know what I like though, because we wouldn't play it here because it didn't make any sense. Because with all due respect, by the time you ask the question, and then the gentleman, I can't think of his name, then tells him the question in Spanish, then he answers in Spanish, and then the gentleman gives the English. It's too long. It's just too long. You know, some of these guys, and I don't know in his case, some of these guys are English is actually pretty good, and they don't feel comfortable speaking or they're not ready to yet, but they already understand the question, even though, I don't know if it's true in his case, even though they're telling you in Spanish, mm. but it, it takes forever. And, and I watched all the interviews that Ballet Sports puts down, and what I find that I, to me is very interesting. And you're right, he's batting 244. His on-base percentage is only 297. Not good. Doesn't concern me. Not good. Uh, his attitude mentally of what he needs to do is spectacular. It's very mature. So when I see that, to me, that's impressive. All right, let me throw a quick numbers before we get into uh, Encarnacion. He's got 299 at-bats. This is easy to double. You know, 600 at-bats if you play every day, it's not a stretch, correct? Yeah. He's on pace for 108 runs scored. 108. He's on pace for 22 home runs. On pace for 68 RBIs. Is there anything wrong with that? No. Now, here's the other thing. I got to say this out. Everybody who said it'd be great if the Reds get, and Brad Taylor, he's terrific. But I'm surprised he made a big deal of it. And I'll, I'll repeat it when he comes in, but this is breaking news. <clears throat> the Reds... Even if they wanted Lucas Giolito, we're never going to get him. He was never going to get out of the American League. It just wasn't going to happen. It, it just wasn't going to happen. Because you go from the worst team and you go on up. And then the team with the best record in the American League, if they turn you down, then you go to the worst team in the National League. That's just how it's been done forever. Cleveland has gotten both Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez on waivers after several teams put claims on him. So you go through claims and other teams behind them put claims on. Do me a quick favor. Look up and see how far out Cleveland is from the wild card. Because Cleveland's a franchise that doesn't like to spend any money, which means, like I said before, they have to have two roster spots on the 40-man roster. They must think they have a shot of getting to the playoffs. They are 11 and a half back of the wild card. Seriously? Yeah. This is a the very- Yankees are ahead of them, if that tells you. Yeah, that is surprising. <laughs> Uh, that is surprising that they would make this move because they historically will not pay big contracts. And actually, they gave up a younger pitcher who's doing really good at Tampa Bay for a minor league hitter who's supposed to be really good. This is an out-of-the-box kind of move for them. Very interesting. The Lopez thing I can see. But if they're that far out, uh, that does surprise me. When we were talking to uh, Alan Stein, when Matthew and I were uh, about an hour ago, he had mentioned a name, Mike Clevenger, for the Reds to potential send. He was also let go and sent to waivers. He, in his last seven starts... Been terrific. He's been great. Yeah. He had off-the-field problems, if you remember. And, and yeah, I want, a few years ago, yeah. Yeah, and I wonder if that affected him maybe this year. Clevenger has been what I call a reliable workhorse who you can kind of count on getting six innings, which the Reds desperately need. I'm gonna guess he won't get to the he won't get to the national who who just dumped him? I just went uh, White Sox. White Sox. Yeah. I couldn't I, senior moment, I'm sorry. I 
doubt he'll get to the National League. I doubt it. <clears throat> I don't think he'll get to the Yankees. I really don't because the Yankees could cut somebody to find a spot in the 40-man roster and Lord knows they need starting pitching. The Yankees aren't the only one. I would bet a soda pop. I'm not going to scream anymore. Why am I betting a soda pop? I've done that too often because I don't drink soda. I can't imagine he's going to get to the National League, and I can't imagine he'll get to the Yankees. I really can't because take a look at his numbers and, and also take a look at his career. He's, a, he's not a number one starter. He's never been. He's not a number two starter. He's never been. If he's a number five starter, he's spectacular, right? If he's a number three, he's okay. If he's a number four in a lot of staffs, he's really good. He saves your bullpen. That was the thing about Luke Weaver that I I don't want to use the word hate. I hate it. When he pitched, you knew the bullpen's arms were going to be tired. That was the thing that drove me nuts. In fact, I never would have signed them. I said that before the season started. He doesn't give you any innings. The Reds need people, like a lot of teams, who will give you what? Innings. You watch. If Clevenger gets to the other league, I will be shocked. Shocked. He's too good. Yeah. And the Jalito thing makes sense. A lot of teams proclaimed on him. So here, here's what happens. You know, is it possible that Cleveland, I mean, that Cincinnati put a claim on him? I'm going to guess they did. Okay? But knowing that he would never get there. Now, you know what they used to do in the old days with this stuff? when you could put guys on waivers when before the trade deadline. So you try to sneak a guy through the waivers. Because let's say you have Clevenger, right? Yeah. And you have a trade with another team, but you want to put him on waivers. Now that they've traded this, this deadline, you can't do it. And so they would try to sneak you through waivers. So if you got past a certain team, the team that you wanted to make a trade with, they would pick you up, and then you get a player back. Something interesting that just broke uh, from Jeff Pass and the Reds have claimed Harrison Bader off of waivers from the Yankees. I like that. But and we actually brought that up when we were talking with Allen also. But now what do you do? Who do you who do you put back down? So who who would he be replacing? Especially once India, if and when India comes back and then McLean comes back. Well, there are position spots, but those are infielders. One of us still just on your 40-man roster. Right. Now, who so? But you do have, like, the Martinis that just got called up. He would probably be one. Uh, I think he was put on waivers. I think I saw he was mm. put on waivers. Uh, they have enough guys that are on their roster who are the low-end guys from Louisville that they could do it. Their problem will be in the offseason, like, you know, this Mike Ciani who came up for a couple days, whatever it was, and is back down. He won't get protected, okay? Ciani is a big-time fielder. Probably as, as good as the former Yankee, but he can't hit. And, and if you look at Bader's numbers, take a look at his numbers. They're better than you think for a guy who struggled this year. They really are. I'm not saying they're good. Yeah. And I never expect him to hit, hit a lot. But if you look at his pace, he would have had 74, 75 RBIs. Not great. Who are we kidding? But for a guy that's that good defensively and can run the bases, you know, he was hurt. He hurt his swing and all that kind of stuff. I th Let's put it this way. I'm big on defense in center field. It's interesting that he made it to the National League. A lot of teams passed on him. That's a little surprising to me. See, I could see him on a team that's trying to win it all where he could be, let's say, a fourth outfielder, especially in the National League. Interesting. 
I think it's a good move for the Reds. It'll you're right though. It'll be interesting to see who they cut. Yeah. They just cut a relief pitcher that they were looking forward to coming back. Tony, I can't uh, pronounce his last name. They cut him the other day. And part of the whole thing this year was wait till Tony comes back. There was a couple guys like that with bad arms. Wait till he comes back. Wait till he comes back, and they released him a couple days ago. It's kind of surprising. And so the Reds will have a problem, like a lot of teams, getting the 40-man. You know what the Yankees have been very good at? They've been good at trading guys away they already know they can't protect that are pretty good prospects and sometimes give two-for-one for a guy who will have a quicker shot on a major league team, another major league team, and then they get a prospect equal, sometimes a little better if they give up two players or sometimes about on the same level, but they still have time before they have to put them on the 40-man roster. It's part of the schmoozing of the game that goes on. I got off on a tangent. But uh, Bader to the Reds, I like it. It's going to make that much difference? Probably not. Probably not. Okay, I want to play the CES, Encarnacion Strand. Um, listen to what he said about his four-hit game. And, 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 Jimmy, every time they've done any of you, I've watched it, I've listened to it, and what I got at it, mentally I thought he was very strong when he came up to the big leagues. Now I'm seeing something else that's pretty obvious. He's just become a lot more comfortable. Christian, first four-hit day in the bigs. How's that feel? Oh, it feels awesome, but I think it feels even better to just get the win. This win, uh, obviously crucial. When you look at this last week, there were struggles, but over the 10-game road trip, you go 500. So how important was today for you guys? I think it was real important to just get a win, get back home, and keep the momentum rolling. You had four hits today. Every ball you hit was over 100 miles per hour off the bat, particularly that home run. Take us through that at bat. What did you get? What pitch did you get? What was your mindset? On a homer? Yeah. I've never seen an arm slot like that. So <laughs> I told Bell, I said, this is like playing wiffle ball in the backyard. I try to hit it hard. Hopefully it's a good pitch. So that's one of those things that you're going to have to adjust to because there are different arm slots along the way. How tough was that? Um... I don't know. He, he just he left it there. He left it there. So it should have been a lot tougher, but it was in a good place to hit. You're from the Bay Area. Game one, you had, you told me you had over 100 family and friends in the crowd. I know they've been sprinkled in throughout this series. How special was that for you to play in front of them? That was awesome. Like To have all of them come out, too, and yeah. me not know, that was pretty cool. You had no idea that that many was going to show up? No, I knew my mom and my brother and a couple were coming, but I didn't know all of them were coming. How about what you got from Hunter Green today? Oh, that was amazing. We needed that big time, and he performed for us. That was huge. How about some of the defense? Frito had a big catch. Ellie's play there late, but Spencer Steer saving a run there at the time saved the game. Yeah, I mean, our defense, I, I think we're good. We're very versatile, which makes us good. Um, it doesn't surprise me when they make good plays because I know they're that good. Congratulations on the four-hit day. Thank you. Bally Sports and uh, Jim Day who I keep on saying does a really good job. I already said this the other day, but the truth was he was terrible when he started, and he's really, really good now. As a matter of fact, I have seen a lot of networks through the years, and, and I don't see a lot now, but I, I do watch a lot of interviews on different teams just because I like the short clips and stuff like that. He's about as good as it gets. Handling athletes, handling people. I don't know if you think that highly of him. I do. He gets guys to talk. They're really comfortable with him. I think he's, I think he's great. Yeah, and, and whatever they're paying him, it's not enough. It's, it's just not enough. Or somebody needs to buy him some clothing. Not that I should tell anybody about clothing because I probably would qualify for the worst-dressed TV sportscaster every year. 
I did it on purpose. I had a company wanted to outfit me head to toe, and they, they wouldn't do the trade. It's a long story. It's in my book, Cut to the Chase. Just take me off. And I even told them, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. The Reds got Bader and Hunter Renfro. Oh, did that just come through? Too? Yeah. Wow. Okay, where the hell are they going to play Hunter Renfro? That's the thing. That's so Now that's two. <laughs> and by the way, he's now hitting better. Yeah. He's, he's been a, he's been a, a really defensive outfielder as well. He's got an arm on him. He could pitch the ninth inning. <laughs> um, where the hell is he going to play? Wow. And uh, Grichuk was not claimed on waivers. I by saw anybody. that. Huh. Yeah. And you know what? That's surprising because he's a really good defender. Yeah. And um, he he's not owed a bunch of money. And he's a pretty good – he's a starter, but he's a pretty good fourth outfielder. I thought he would be picked up pretty quick. What do you do with Renfro? Who are you going to sit? You know, it's that old line. You know, um, well, you know, so-and-so should have made the NCAA tournament. I always say this, great. Who are you taking out? Yeah. Who are you taking <laughs> out? You're going to sit steer when McLean comes back? Hell no. It's just like the conversation you guys had yesterday about the top 50 UK team. Yes. Okay, yeah, that's great. Yeah, yes. he should be there, but. Yes, exactly. Now what? Yeah. Who are you going to sit? I, I got to tell you, this one, uh, Jeff Passan just said, big day for Cleveland Way or Waiver Wire with uh, all the moves that Cleveland and the, and the Reds are making. Yeah. Who do you sit? Unless they've, well, it's not like they would tell him, but unless they're all bought in to say we will just we're here to play a role and we want to try to make a playoff push, do with us what you know whatever we need to do. Oh, they'll say that because for two reasons: one, they both have that kind of reputation, and yeah. two, if you want to say the wrong thing, you're not going to get a job exactly. next year. And Renfro was on the A's to start the season, so I'm sure he's just happy to be somewhere uh, that has a team that loves baseball. Well, I can tell you a couple of things. Benson, who was one of the worst I've ever seen batting starting the season. And then was really spectacular in comparison for a long time after that. Isn't hitting anything now at all. I mean nothing. Struck out three times the other day. I know uh, Brad Taylor talks about him all the time because there was a stretch he was really, really good. And he's a seems like a great dude. He's a great athlete. He's not hitting anything. He's down to 262. Go look at the last month. I'll bet you Soda Pop he's not hitting 200 over the last month. So I see Benson going to the bench. Nick Senzel, you know, is not going to be with the team either way. Yeah. Could I see them putting him down to the minor leagues? Yeah. Yeah, Martini's already on waivers, which will be interesting if he gets picked up at all. Could I see... Oh, I'm trying to figure out what to do with Friedel. Friedel's been a stud. How many great catches has he made this year? He looks like he is in pain. Because he just bangs his body around. Yeah. He's going into the wall, he, making diving catches. I mean, cause, and he's not a big guy. No, he's but. not. And he could probably use a couple days. Yeah. Uh, and Fraley, he's got the broken toe, and he's going to come back. Yeah. How, how can you play outfield with a broken toe? Ask Aaron Judge. Yeah. yeah. Well, it wasn't broken. Actually, I don't know what's worse. Well. He had torn ligament. Yeah. The turf toe, they say, is worse because a broken toe, it just heals. The turf toe is a sprain of it, like the ligament. Yeah. So, turf toe might be worse. Um, I think it is because sometimes ligaments do not heal. Yeah. Big day. Big day for the Reds. Interesting. I'm going to figure it out. Okay. Uh, we're going to play Cal stuff if we have time. Uh, also, Brad Taylor coming up in a couple of minutes. Uh, so we're going to talk about Kentucky playing Saturday because we have no show tomorrow because the Reds are off today and they have a double header tomorrow. But you have a show, right? Yes, we do. Matthew yeah. and Jimmy tomorrow at 10. And uh, there's no Brad Taylor tomorrow, is there? Correct. Can't be Brad Taylor. So I will be back on Monday. Um, 
This move really shocks me. The Bader thing I thought was interesting. Nice pickup, okay? Renfro? Hmm. Terry Page, Terry Page, Terry Page. Finally, I'll see you tomorrow. 859-373-0578. at Top Notch Salon in Lexington. I've said forever, she's not a good. She's a spectacular. She's a great licensed massage therapist who works on problems and has ways of fixing things. Sometimes it doesn't make any sense. You got a knee problem? Might be somewhere else in your body. Might not be your knee. It really it's crazy, the connections, the things on your feet that have to do with different parts of your body. She's great. She's just great. And so many of you have gone to see her because we've talked about her. Terry Page, text her. She gets way booked up really soon, and now she's cutting down one day less per week. Uh, I'll find out uh, tomorrow how booked up she is already through September. I do not know if it's totally in September, but I'm telling you, well, it was Weeks as of a couple weeks ago into September, so it's got to be more. Anyway, 859-373-0578. 859-373-0578. The Alan Cutler Show on ESPN 92.5 and 1300 AM and on the ESPN Lexington app. Presented by Republic Bank. At Don Franklin, we're more than a group of car dealerships. We're hardworking, everyday people of Kentucky. We strive daily to give 110% to our customers, our employees, and our families. We are committed to providing everyone with a safe and reliable vehicle. And we continue our tradition of supporting our local communities. At all 24 dealerships across Kentucky, we will treat you like family. Don Franklin Family of Dealerships, we are Kentucky. Houchins Insurance Group is proud to partner with Auto Owners Insurance, a company that provides opportunity for independent agents to make insurance simple for their clients, offering risk management services that range from a renter's policy for your college student to home and auto coverage for your entire family. Houchins Insurance Group assures you that nobody works harder to keep you protected from life's uncertainties. Reach out to A.J. Boss or Zach Bennett at 859-263-2771 to see if Auto Owners Insurance makes sense for you. It's summertime, and that means it's time to hit the road. Whether you're heading across town or across the state, going on a picnic to a baseball game or driving to the lake, stop by, fill up, and stock up at Clark's Pump and Shop, your road trip headquarters. Clark's Pump and Shop has everything you need to get you to your summertime destination, including planter's nuts, buy two tubes, get one free, and assorted Pringles large cans, two for $5. Clark's Pump and Shop, return, refresh, refuel. When you're a Republic Bank customer, your financial life is always close at hand. The Republic Bank mobile app makes it easy to deposit checks, pay bills, and send money to friends and family from almost anywhere. Plus, you can view your transaction history, transfer funds, and even find the nearest banking center or ATM all from your mobile device. Republic Bank. It's just easier here. Message and data rates may apply from your wireless carrier. Member FDIC. At Don Franklin, we're more than a group of car dealerships. We're hardworking, everyday people of Kentucky. We strive daily to give 110% to our customers, our employees, and our families. We are committed to providing everyone with a safe and reliable vehicle. And we continue our tradition of supporting our local communities. At all 24 dealerships across Kentucky, we will treat you like family. Don Franklin Family of Dealerships, we are Kentucky. 
Houchins Insurance Group is proud to partner with Auto Owners Insurance, a company that provides opportunity for independent agents to make insurance simple for their clients, offering risk management services that range from a renter's policy for your college student to home and auto coverage for your entire family. Houchins Insurance Group assures you that nobody works harder to keep you protected from life's uncertainties. Reach out to A.J. Boss or Zach Bennett at 859-263-2771 to see if Auto Owners Insurance makes sense for you. Lexington area weather. Beautiful conditions in the forecast for your Thursday afternoon highs reaching the upper 70s with a little bit of cloud cover early in the day, but we'll clear that out later on. Tonight we'll fall back to the mid 50s and another nice day on the way for Friday. Temperatures warm up a bit into the mid 80s. I'm ABC 36 Storm Team Meteorologist Dylan Godet. Back to No Filter Radio with Alan Cutler. Podcasts on Apple, Spotify, and Google, Monday through Friday. Brad Taylor, too. He'll be in the studio talking with us. He's in the studio now in a couple minutes because what we're going to do is, and uh, he jumped at it, which I really appreciate because since gambling is bigger and bigger than ever before, and he's an expert on that stuff, and you might put a couple shekels on a Kentucky game, um, I want his take on that. Okay, I want to go to this soundbite. Rondo... Absolutely unequivocally, beyond the shadow of that, one of the smartest players in the history of Kentucky basketball. I'm going to repeat. One of the smartest players in the history of Kentucky basketball. I will tell you this. I have always thought he'd be a great coach. And as I wondered the other day, and I've wondered for a while, I wonder if some of his off-the-court issues will stop him from being a head coach. I hope not. I think he'd be really good. And, and Now, by the way, he drove Tubby nuts. But they got along. But he drove Tubby nuts, and and he's just really, really smart, and he's really stubborn at an early age, and I'm not being negative because I'm a stubborn you-know-what, and he sees things that maybe Tubby didn't see at times. I think Tubby would admit that now. And then there were times Tubby wanted to do it because Tubby wanted to do it a certain way. I'm good with all that. He was on J.J. Reddick's podcast, okay? you got to listen carefully to this. Now, the setup is partially this. You think LeBron listens to a lot of people? The answer would be no. You think LeBron thinks he's smarter than most people? The answer would be yes. And it's not just his physical skills. LeBron is a really smart basketball player on top of his physical skills. So if he trusts you, to me, that says a lot. And so listen to the psychology and the thought process of Rajon Rondo about what he would do when he was playing basketball, especially in the playoffs. I'm never going against the players. I'm looking at the coach and what he's saying, everything, because everything obviously he's saying that you guys are going to do and implement so what he wants to do in practice. So if I can get ahead of those, those answers to the test earlier, I'll ace the test. And this crazy thing, we were in a bubble. This goes back to the bubble. Me and Brown were in the bubble watching the game. I think it was, it was Miami and Boston again. And uh, we were sitting in the room watching the game. And like I said, it went down to the wire. So Brown's like, if we, if we get Miami, I got Spo, and if we get Boston, you got Brad. So that was kind of our mindset. It's like, it wasn't like, oh, we're going to beat the Heat or we're going to beat the Celtics. It was more so if we can outcoach or, you know, if we can outcoach or outplay the coaches on that staff in particular, which two guys we felt that we knew pretty good, we were going to win. Smart. That's smart. I've been following basketball since 1960. Am I saying he's the first to do this? No. Do I know how many guys have done this? No. I find it interesting that some of the media guys, Jimmy, who are so good have never picked up on a story like this. And, and, and when you have J.J. Reddick, who's really good, 
I find some of these podcasts with the good players, when I talk about communication-wise, you're getting more good stories out of that than you often are getting from the mainstream media because there's a mutual respect between J.J. and Rondo. And so they will talk more. It's really good stuff. What is he watching? And he would share that with LeBron. I, I, it's a great soundbite. Wouldn't shock me if J.J. already knew the answer, but he knows how interesting that Rondo's answer would be, so he led him into talking about that. Oh, I bet Bingo. J.J. probably knows that. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Bingo. I, I would bet you're right. He's really good. I mean, you know, I know it's sacrilegious to say a Duke is really good, but he's really, really good. Okay, we had all these cow bites that are not going to get on. this one in particular. Then I want to get right to Brad Taylor. Um, Cal wants to – this is where Cal is good. He, he's been ahead on things so often, and that's why when I busted his chops when he got so far behind and figuring out the problem he was going to have with his rosters because of all the freshmen, which I talked about for months, and I was way ahead of everybody talking about it. And one of the things that disturbed me about Cal, because he's been so far ahead of things, he got really behind. Everybody makes mistakes. But I think he's fixed it. More power to Cal. So he did this um, um, Gaga tour on ESPN, which is just pure love, pure positive. It's summertime. The publicity's good. They want you to come up, you fly up, whatever. And, and talking about kids transferring and kids going from one school to another and how he would do it. First of all, it is one and done, too. Yeah. So everybody was mad about a young player coming in and only staying one year. Well, now we're doing it with older players. It's the same. It's one and done. The issue becomes, I believe kids should be able to transfer once without penalty. You make a mistake or you're not where you want to be. I get it. But we had over 800 players not receive scholarships. So 1,800 put their name in the draft or in the um, portal. 800 didn't get scholarships. You have 700 freshmen put their name in. 48% of those did not get scholarships. I think most college coaches that I know are holding back scholarships for young people because they may, we may get a transfer. We better have one. Mid-season, we better have one. That means another 300 to 500 young people not getting Division I scholarships. We can do better. I'm saying let's go back to five years to play four. When Dick Hoopsweiss was on the show the first time, I don't know if you remember, Jimmy, he talked about all the kids that are not going to get scholarships. And I'm glad Cal pointed that out. That's the part of the story is not talked about enough. Everybody thinks they're going to the NFL. Everybody thinks they're going to the NBA. Everybody thinks they're going all kinds of places. Too many kids are getting bad advice. Too many kids are clueless. They don't want to listen to their coaches because some of them will be selfish, and I get that part. But there are kids with nothing when they could have had something, and they're holding back scholarships. 800 players is a lot. And by the way, are they all great players? No. But some of the players from big schools, could they be really good players at other schools? Yeah, and they get filled up. It's terrible. It's really terrible. And they got to fix it. And this is a common way to fix it. And this this now to me is Swaggy Cal. This is Swaggy Cal explaining how you need to do things for the sake of basketball. When I hear Cal Jimmy talk like this, you know what it says to me? Sounds like Cal. The Cal that I had a lot of respect for, a lot of respect for, for being on top of an issue of what you need to do. You disagree with that? No. Wow, they get one word out of him. Good, you're gone. <laughs> I had a proof in the studio. It's the first time. 
You want to grab the mic, Mr. Taylor? It's the first time I got a one-word answer out of Jimmy. I, I always hoped this day would come, Jimmy. <laughs> I don't want to take up any of the precious time. Oh, that's your excuse to stick it to That's the smartest yeah. thing I've heard you say in a long time, Jimmy. <laughs> uh, Brad Taylor, the bottom line is at 2 o'clock. And, you know, you talk about a trend. This dude is smart. Oh, gambling, thank you. You really are. Gambling's only going to become bigger and bigger, and your show is all about gambling. And so what I asked you to do, you quickly said yes, which I appreciate. Uh, the day before Kentucky plays, can't be tomorrow because neither of us will have a show because Red's baseball. Um, I would like you to share some knowledge that you have about gambling about Kentucky, about the point spread, and some things that you see. So, here's my naivete. On the one hand, and I listened to you, this, the first part of this I knew, because I knew, and then the other part I picked up from listening to you, because I listened to you in the car. And, and your gambling tips are very interesting. 26.5-point favorites. Mm-hmm. I think Kentucky's going to cover. You do? I absolutely do. Now, by the way, I, I've always thought I could make a fortune on gambling, and the truth is I'd probably lose my house. So I, I, I'm not a gambler. I'm thinking about maybe opening an account and putting, and, I'm, and I have the discipline to do $5 a bet. Not $10, not $20, you know. Money management is more important than picking winners, if you want to be honest with it. You should never bet more than 1% of your bankroll because there's a lot of people out there who could pick 53 54 55% winners, but they can't manage their bankroll. They go on tilt, different bets in different spots, laying too much juice. It makes it a lot more difficult. This is a hard racket. Outside of Derby Day and Oaks Day, I have a $20 rule at Keeneland. If I lose $20, I stop. One time I stopped after the first race. I stopped. And by the way, I'm a $2 on the nose, $2 across the board, or if I'm really feeling really funky, really funky. Not very I'll put a whole $5 to win. But I stay within the $20. And I've done it for years, so I'm not worried about the discipline because I don't like to lose, so... You know, yeah. One it, one bet should never change your life. One day of betting should never change. If your I life. lose five dollars on, on a football game, or if I lose five dollars on a horse race, it doesn't affect me. Right. I can't. I, you know what? I can't imagine putting a hundred dollars on on a football game. I I just can't. I know people do it who, who have money, don't have money. I don't have that much money. But even if I had a lot of money, could I do it? Yeah, if I had a ton. But I mean, you have to have discipline. I'm 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 glad you said that. Now, fantasy. Suppose I open up an account. With uh, DraftKings, who who I'm doing spots with, and I get up to five hundred dollars. Would I eventually make a ten dollar bet? Yeah. Um, tell me why you like or don't like as a expert better if Kentucky will cover or not. And here's the other thing: you talk, and I find this fascinating about you. You talk so much about the numbers. I wonder what percentage you are taking into account, and I think it's important to anybody listening, the teams itself, that, you know, lines move and that kind of thing, and that tells you certain things, you read certain things because you know certain things. That's your expertise. But what percentage would you say, every every bit is different, and I get that. What percentage is the knowledge of the teams versus the spread and the spread moving? I play data in markets. I don't play people in teams. So it has nothing to do with what this guy's name is because a lot of teams get a lot more value in the desert than other teams. Certain players get more value than other teams. When I look at Kentucky's line, and it started months ago at 26.5, and and I look at the betting splits and I see all this money, over 85% of the money is on Kentucky to cover this game. Yet this point spread is still the same that it was two months ago. What does that mean? 
You would think that with all 85% of the money on Kentucky, you would think this point spread would change. 28, 29, you would think. You would think. Why? So why is it not changed? Uh-huh. That's because the, our friends in the desert know that if they change this, the Sharps are going to come in and grab that 28, which is a kind of a key number in a big college football game, getting a margin of 28. Okay, stop. The Sharks come in. Who's that? The Sharps come in. Those are the ones who do this professionally, not people like us. We're squares. I'm talking about the Sharps out of the desert who do this professionally 8, 10, 12 hours a day who bet big amounts of money, not the little 5 and $10 bets that we're betting. So they don't want the Sharks to come in? Why? Because they'll get taken advantage of it. They'll get uh, more value. It's a, it's a game of value. And if you see that line change, the Sharps will come in at 28 and they'll hammer uh, Ball State right there. Okay, That's why – go ahead. T- I'm sorry. Tell me I'm stupid here. And please tell me I'm stupid. I- I'm going – Okay, I think Kentucky can score enough points to cover the 26 and a half. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm at. So you're telling me my way, of if I was doing this, is totally wrong. There is a sharp way of thinking, and there is a square way of thinking. Okay. And it's it, there's a big part of my book coming out next Thursday. Tell everybody of the book. The Side Hustle. It is a way for squares like us to kind of compete with the sharps out in the desert. Changing our way of thinking and changing how we do things, because if somebody's making money, why can't we get a piece of that too? Okay. Okay, so okay, so if I think that Leary can throw five touchdown passes mm-hmm. and the Brad White's defense can hold him to seven points, what the hell is the difference if it's twenty six and a half? Because that'll cover. Because every point is so much value in that desert, and when a, a key number like twenty eight. If you give the Sharps that much value and you think, oh, it's just a half point. Oh, it's just a full point. No, a half point's a lot. It is huge okay. over time. That I, that I do know. It is huge over time. And let's just face it, do we really know what to expect from Devin Leary? Well, we base it all on the stuff we hear. We haven't seen anything yet. I've seen tape. Okay. Well, 35 and 6 is 35 and 6. 30, I, a, couple, it was a couple years ago, 35 touchdowns and 6 picks. Kid's got a great touch. Well, let's see how he is tomorrow or Saturday with Kentucky because Kentucky's the defending national champions in terms of going under the total in the desert. Last year, they played 13 games. 12 times with that great Brad White defense, the total was under. They were 12-1. and one. No team made you more money last year than Kentucky going under the point total. Yeah, and by the way, when I heard you say that the first time, honestly, I'm in my car going, wow. That's, yeah. that's that's a great number. Okay, we got about one minute. I should have asked you to come in earlier. I apologize. All right. Um, can you tell us what you're betting and why? I'm taking Ball State, and I'm uh, I'm also looking to maybe go under, but I'm taking Ball State in 26 and a half. One reason, uh, you know, I, I know that a lot of people are expecting a lot of points out of Kentucky this week, but I also think that uh, you can't go 12 and one against the uh, going to the, under the total again this year. And the Sharps have come in on the under in this one too. We've seen this line move from 49 and a half to 49 just in the last 24 hours. Are the Sharps ever wrong? Oh yeah. But as long as we're right 53% of the time, I'm right every time. Okay, so I, I got you. So you don't have to answer this. Do you want Kentucky to win? I, if, if, I'm on, if I have money on them to win, yes. If I don't, that's, it, I don't lose a bit of sleep if they win or lose. It doesn't matter. So to you're me. not a Kentucky fan? I'm not a fan of anybody. You can't, if you're really into this, you can't be a fan of anyone. It is Team A versus Team B. Every time. Because if you let your emotion get involved, you're going to screw it up. You got it. Okay, so if you weren't betting, did you grow up a Kentucky fan? Uh, I grew up listening to people like you, and I always thought, there's got to be something else in this world. 
I can't, I'm inundated with Kentucky stuff 24-7. All I hear is Rex Chapman. All I hear is Kenny Skywalker. There's got to be other people in this world. So that's when you kind of look out and say, okay. there's other things to the world besides Kentucky. And then when I moved to Atlanta, you realize there's a lot in this world besides Kentucky. Okay, I'm going to guess you spend 10 hours a day looking at this stuff? Uh, no, I wish I could. I've got too many other stuff going on and distractions. I got to take care of my mom. I got to do all kinds of stuff. So yeah, that's part of you know the side hustle, finding time to do this. Okay, would you come in earlier next week? That's because, uh, whenever you're ready. I'm ready you. to go. Uh, tell us about the book one more time. We got to go because Brad Taylor's coming up next. Side <laughs> hustle coming out next Thursday. Ironically enough, the first day of sports gambling. How the sharps like us can make some money at sports gambling against the the sharp the squares like us against the sharps out in the desert. And Brad Taylor is taking Ball State. With a twenty-six and a half points. Yes, it's it's not one to put the uh, the kids' college fund on, but I mean, if I'm going to play the game, I'm definitely taking Ball State in twenty-six and a half. Thank you, sir. I really enjoy your show, and you are in a topic that's hot. I don't know if you saw this coming, but if you did, you're even smarter. If not, you lucked into it. But uh, just keep doing what you're doing. Well, I appreciate that, and uh, I always appreciate the time and the uh, the efforts you put in to helping me with my little radio career. Yeah, you're and give me some time. So I all good. It. Brad Terrell, ladies and gentlemen. Brad is coming up next. Reds are off today. Jimmy, thank you so much as always. Uh, Brad's off tomorrow. I'm off tomorrow. Brad's coming up next. Alan Cutler, 1300 AM. Oh, huge thanks to Shane Boyd. Huge. God bless you, Shane. And uh, get some closet space. Alan Cutler, 1300 AM, 92.5 FM. Listen to the Alan.